0: Want to learn more? Go to shamelesssex.com And for 15% off of some of our favorite sex toys, use coupon code SHAMELESSSEX at purepleasureshop.com
2: You are listening to a Pleasure Podcast. For more from our sex podcast
0: collective, visit pleasurepodcasts.com Well, hello everyone! Hi everybody! Welcome to the Shameless Sex Podcast. This is your favorite podcast all about snuggling (laughs) all about hugging loving all about pussy hugs All about petting, all about banging it out, all about relationships and sex and all the things. And (laughs) that was nice. That was real nice, right? I want to switch it up a little bit. This is a wonderful episode with a wonderful repeat guest, Dr. Tammy Nelson. And she's talking all about her new book, Open Monogamy. And I want to preface this, that this is for all folks, whether you're monogamous or not. She's talking about modern day monogamy and all the variations of how that can shape, flow, look. And there's a lot of really useful tools in there. And I just really appreciate her a lot.
1: Every time we've had her on the show, I have really large takeaways. Yeah. And it's not about me. I'm, I'm just, I'm not really interested in open monogamy, but I learned some things and I think that it can apply to anyone. Well, I didn't say this on the show, but she
0: was making this comment about, uh, during the, you know, the, the pits of the pandemic and how things changed and how monogamy changed for a lot of folks and how some people wanted to take on extra partners because of X, Y, and Z various reasons. I was like, you know, I actually experienced some of that during COVID in my relationship. Yeah. Yeah. You know, if you're listening, my, my partner that I love where I was like, wow, that my access to you is limited. And what, what would it be like if I just had like another boyfriend, but it's very complicated. Cause for me, it's not all, it's not just about sex. Like it'd be pretty easy for me to just find someone to have sex with. That's not that hard to do, but to find someone to like a snuggle with, cuddle with, you know, sleep next to here and there, but also you're not my primary partner. Anyways, I understood what she was saying and just COVID aside, this stuff, is always transforming, changing as is sexuality. We're on this continuum of constant movement and shifting and hence why we can have the same speaker come multiple times to talk about different topics or we can talk about the same topic over and over again because there's constant new knowledge.
1: Well, that's when people ask us, aren't you going to run out of things to talk about? I'm like, no, honey. Sex is endless. It's uh, job security, I guess. Totally,
0: and we will never be bored. So hopefully you won't either. Okay, so we have a sex question. But before we do the sex question, I would like to give a shout out to something called Sex Geek Summer Camp. Hmm. So if you've listened to a lot of our episodes, you may have listened to an episode from was it 2019? No, it was 2017. It was in one of the first ones we did. We did it in the Caribbean. Uh, oh, oh, no, that was with Reed. I'm talking about oh. when I was at Sex Geek oh. Summer Camp. Yes. Oh, yes. Okay. So Reed Mehlhaukel. Yes. Episode five. He did the casual sex. Our sound back. was terrible. Yeah. We were in like a weird room in the Caribbean where it was really hot. And we locked, it was like our fifth episode ever, and we locked all of our friends out of the room where all the booze was. <laughs> they were mad. They were real mad. Um, so, but that's, so Read Me honko is an expert sex educator who has created something called Sex Geek Summer Camp, and it's a place for sex-positive professionals. So this is not like a, an orgy place, right? Orgies might happen. I can't say I haven't seen them happen there, but it's for sex-positive professionals who either are already in the sex industry of education therapy, whatever, and you want to go and go to a business retreat with other like-minded folks. And it's super fun. It's right outside of Portland. I've been multiple years. I've had some sexy adventures there once upon a time here and there. I will be there this year, actually. And I highly recommend it because we get a lot of folks who ask, how do I become a sex educator or I am a sex educator and I want to expand my portfolio. And so if this is you, go to this camp is June 15th, sorry, June 11th to 15th 2022 just outside of Portland Oregon to learn more go to sexgeeksummercamp.com I will only be there the Saturday and Sunday of the first weekend so I think it's like five or six days long so if you want to come hang with me I'll be there Reed was like get April to come she's slammed though by the way she's real busy busy. okay
1: let's do a sex question shout out to Reed though
0: we love you you. Um, oh and Uberlube sponsoring it by the way we love you Uberlube you're the best lube company ever okay sex question I am a 36 year old male and i've never had a girlfriend never had sex or even kissed a girl nothing i feel at my age if i haven't done anything yet i'm afraid i will be the 40 year old virgin i've tried dating sites to try to get a girlfriend with no luck please help so this question, so I've, I've worked with a couple clients of different age ranges, all penis owners, cis males. So, you know, men who were born with penises told, you're a man, you're a boy. And uh, they, I still identify with that um, to this day of, of all ages, you know, whether they're early 20s or Heteroties. 30s, straight people. Yeah. Okay. And, you know, and they wanted to date girls. One thing I always noticed is they always called them girls. Like even the, you know, a 30 year old says one girls, did. yeah, but you know, and so, but that would make sense if you don't have a lot. Of experience that the people that you and I'm not saying you're looking at 18 year olds. I'm saying that your brain is still like, oh, girls. But you know, you're 36 year old, so I think you're looking for women at this point. You know, and women is, I mean, I, how do we define that? Is it 18 and up? I didn't feel like a woman when I was 18, and so I'm. This we'll is go not the legal route. Yeah, legal route. Legal so women and 18 18 not. So first of all, I wanted to start with sympathy for you and how hard it is to be someone who has spent multiple years. Um, um, not having a lot of access to experience or experiences and you not telling the full story here. I'm sure there's plenty around that, whether it's a lot of rejection or, you know, past hurt and wounds from childhood stuff to kids picking on you in school. I mean, some of the hurt comes from people that aren't even the people you're trying to flirt with. Um, you know, like the mean boys like, oh, you'll never get a girlfriend, you know, all that shit. And so we, we don't know all those pieces, but just to let you know that you're not alone, and I've also heard really wonderful success stories for people. Actually, the success story I recently heard of is someone who's 40 and was a similar context here. And they started to go venture outside of kind of like, I'm doing air quotes, the normie world. And the normie world, I'm talking about like Tinder and Bumble, which is like where a lot of normal everyday people. People, including myself, maybe if I was on a dating app, would go. And there's dating apps and other worlds that are alternative in the metaverse. Yeah, like the metaverse. (laughs) Alternative in the field of sexuality. I mean, just like April and I are. Like, we're kind of out there. And you want to go and meet out there people who are like, you're 36 and you've never had sex? Oh my God, tell
1: me more about that. So are you referring to honing in on his what he's into so if he really loves gaming or he really loves climbing is that what you're talking about or what are you speaking to specifically I'm I'm speaking to getting
0: outside of whatever you're doing because it's not working so if it is gaming or climbing or whatever and that shit's not working I'm actually specifically speaking to going to sex positive communities Mm. we've had and I don't know the episode number but we had the folks from Bonobo Network who throw very sex positive sex parties in the Bay area specifically but they've created an entire online community for people to meet each other the episode is about how it's not just about sex there's plenty of people who go there just to like hang out and get to know each other and mingle and make new friends and they do that online too these are people who when they meet anyone who is different than the standard they're like celebrating you episode 256 256 all right so I suggest going in communities where people will celebrate you for being outside of the norm where they won't be like oh you're 36 and you're a virgin that's weird those are not your people to hang out with right now or probably ever your people that, are, that will celebrate you are more open minded who are like you're 36 and you've had sex with 20,000 people or zero people you're fucking awesome as long as it's all consensual that's great and let's learn more about each other so april said we found the number again of the episode? episode 256, 256. 56, or you can go to networkcom and you can join that community there, make friends. I don't know where you live, but maybe you can make it to a Bay Area party. Um, also, there are cuddlists. Yes, I said cuddlists, the professional cuddlers that are great kind of like intro step into touch and closeness, but it's not erotic there's no kissing there's no genitals but it's closeness and oxytocin which is a really important thing and some of them throw cuddle parties in their areas and then you can meet other people it's another great way to just start getting kind of like your toes wet and touch and connection they're all over the united states probably not in like i don't know some tiny town in
1: illinois i have a question though about this from an expert opinion Do you think you would ever recommend this person hire a sex worker or something, just a a vulva owner where uh, maybe he could... Try out some techniques he's been wondering about and feel safe, and there would be no judgment, or is that not a good recommendation? I 100%
0: am totally down for people to go and get the experiences that they need in a consensual way that feels good. Um, And sex workers, especially really talented, skilled ones who are, they are like understanding your needs, and this is okay, this is where you're at, and let me meet you there. And, you know, that's part of the job of, you know, most sex workers. Yes, fuck yes, I'm totally on board for that. Can we find you, the with sex workers? We cannot. That is illegal. But we can tell you that... Go to Amsterdam. Uh, go to Amsterdam. Or, well, or you can go do your own thing here in the United States if that's where you're from. And, yeah. No, I think that... Actually, Nevada. The Bunny Ranch. Yeah, there you Uh-oh. go. Yeah, go to Nevada. The Bunny Ranch. Yeah, go see Alice Little if she's still there. Yeah, I think also when you've had that much time away from this, or not away from it, actually never experiencing this, this thing, you're kind of in this, like, self-fulfilling prophecy it, um, loop. It's
1: probably going to be a lot of heady shit that happens. Happens and that is hard. That is really rough. So, with a
0: sex worker, it's like it's just all about you. That actually might be more chill, it might be like, oh, this is way more chill. Or going with the sex positive communities, most people are just like, that's what they're all about. They're about consent, about openness, and, and really uh, inviting people in as they are. So, the other website was uh, list.com. If you want to go look that up, it might not be in your area, but you might have to drive out two hours. But there are resources there. You're not alone and um, go kind of dip your toes in
1: and just get more experience. All right. Are you ready for a bio? Yes. Tammy Nelson, PhD, is a licensed psychotherapist. Board Certified Sexologist and Certified Sex Therapist. She is a TEDx speaker and the host of the Trouble with Sex podcast. Her books include Getting the Sex You Want, The New Monogamy, and her latest Open Monogamy. She is Executive Director of the Integrative Sex Therapy Institute and has been a featured expert in New York Times, Wall Street Journal, Washington Post, Glamour Magazine, Cosmopolitan, Redbook, MSNBC, Men's Health, Women's Day, and has been a source for the Time Magazine. To learn more or to buy her books, visit DrTammyNelson.com.
0: All right, everyone, it is interview time and we are here with a return repeat guest, Dr. Tammy Nelson. Uh, last time, I think it was on cheating and affairs and uh, and you have a lot of really profound work around that. And this time we're talking about something called open monogamy. So people were like, what does that mean? And we've heard of open relationships. We've heard of non-monogamy. We've heard of polyamory. So we will dive deep into that to have a greater understanding of what open monogamy is. And Tammy also has a book out, Called Open Monogamy, all about this topic as well. But to start, Tam, even though you've been on our show before, even though we read your bio, can you please tell our listeners how you got to where you are today in the field of sexuality?
2: Well, you know, it's funny. I've been a therapist for like 35 years and I always followed my intuition and, frankly, the things that gave me pleasure, like what I'm interested in. And Where I think the field of psychotherapy was really immature over the past 35 years, just like all of society and our culture, like everyone's always afraid to talk about sex, except for you guys. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, you're, you're such, uh you know, pioneers in this field. And I'm telling you, this is a new world. Like for years and years, therapists were trained to work with couples and family dynamics, blah, blah, blah. But no one ever told therapists how to talk about sex or even had classes about sex or trainings about sex. This is like a whole explosion in the field of psychotherapy around first of all that it's okay to talk about sex secondly that you should talk about sex and third this is how you help people talk about sex this was not a thing when I was doing my education and training and coming up in the world of being a therapist and so I was always intrigued by like how are you supposed to work with couples or people in relationships and not talk about this like we're in therapy with people not talking about how do you clean the kitchen better like why are we talking about the thing that it's so dynamically important to romantic relationships. And so I've always been intrigued by by the things that are most important to people in their lives, which is basically love and relationships and sex
0: hmm They all oh, came from it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, we maybe not
0: love, but definitely sex.
1: Well, on some level or a Petri dish, you never know. Could happen. That's true. So when we're talking in terms of this book, open monogamy can apply to any gender, all genders, also all orientations. What about relationship dynamics? Who is this? Who are you speaking to in terms of relationship dynamics?
2: Well, what I found over the years is that and particularly since the pandemic, which I think we should talk about too, how relationships have changed, is that there's a lot of people that want a primary or central relationship, but they also want a very flexible or fluid monogamy agreement. So it's not that they don't want to be in a relationship with with someone that they're committed to, but they also want to define that commitment in a way that works for them. And they don't want to be boxed into a definition of monogamy that's like this is not your grandmother's monogamy right Like they don't want to be defined by how culture has defined monogamy for the past couple hundred years but that doesn't mean that they're not committed you know monogamy used to be really defined as some kind of morality and now I think we define monogamy more around integrity and honesty, and that could mean a lot of things to a lot of different people.
1: I like that because, redefining these terms in, in a modern day when people have more access to information, to other humans, before you had to take a long airplane or ride in a boat to cross the Atlantic. And now we can tap into anyone. We can digitally have sex with people. So it's it's a new era. And I think it's deserving to reconsider and redefine what monogamy looks like. And I love that integrity mm-hmm. piece of that. That's really important. Yeah, you
0: do. Well, yeah. What? And so how in the pandemic, that did something shift though? Are were saying that there's like an ideal that that changed? Why is that part of the, the equation or the picture?
2: Well, there's two things going on. One, I think that people learned uh, over a two-year period where part of that was in quarantine. You learned that the most important thing in your life was your pod, like the people that you felt safe with, the people that weren't going to get you sick, and that you most likely needed more than just and one other person. And a lot of people spent the quarantine alone or with a limited amount of people that were going to support them in their lives. And a lot of people lost their jobs. And what a majority of people, at least in the U.S., found is that it might be nice to outsource some of your needs, that maybe you're not good at homeschooling your kids. Like, maybe you don't want to be the one that has to forage for toilet paper and groceries out into out in the dangerous world. That maybe it'd be nice to have somebody in your life or in your pod that was good at, you know, going out in the world and making a living or getting the toilet paper and somebody else that could homeschool the kids and somebody else that maybe could fill your sexual needs because everyone else is exhausted. And someone else that could be, you know, your supportive best friend that maybe not one person is going to fill all those needs because we're all exhausted and bored with each other. Mm. And wouldn't it be nice to have like that village of people that could really be um, available to us as resources, and a lot of people have come out of the pandemic. Actually, the rates of uh, affairs have gone way up. Ashley Madison, which is the married but dating website, is up to seventy-five million
1: members worldwide. Wow! Holy shit. yeah. Wait, do you think that's because? Sorry, I, yeah. I'm not trying to interrupt, but just in in terms of the pandemic, is it because people had to slow down and? Not keep themselves so busy with work and, 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 well, also not having their kids at school during the day. Do you think that has something to do with it? Because it was a pause on life, on everything, so they could reflect on what their relationship looked like, or maybe they were single, but either way, is that part of this piece of this monogamy shift?
2: some of it when you talk about like cheating and outsourcing that sexual relationship
1: I think some of it is that people
2: are either seekers or nesters like if you have a seeking part of your brain there's a specific neurological part of your brain that's always looking for adventure it's always looking for something new it's always looking for variety and that's just a neurological part that can usually be satisfied by looking for a, a new restaurant or a movie or a parking place for, but when you're home for a year and you've watched everything on Netflix, you're going to start seeking like online for something interesting. Even if it's like going on social media and looking for your ex or talking to new people on TikTok or whatever you're into. A lot of those people looked on places like Ashley Madison and started Online affairs, not even meeting in person. Mm. You know, the emotional affairs or the online sexual affairs went way up. If you're a nester, then you're kind of fine with being in quarantine and making
0: sourdough bread and
1: you know. I love sourdough. Bread. I totally did that. I totally
0: did. <laughs> yeah, that. like my pizza well, every day. Lots of my mom made a lot of pizza. <laughs> <laughs> I'm serious. I'm talking to you, mom. You made a lot of pizza uh, okay. <laughs> and bread.
2: Your, your mom bread. was probably not a cheater then. She probably <laughs> was very healthy. Nope.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, she was definitely, she's definitely much more of a nester. So, okay. So that brings it to the part about why monogamy is so hard in long-term relationships. I think you've kind of already shared a lot about that. And then the kind of the pandemic really highlighted that, like, you know, there's the you know, seekers and nesters, but the seekers who are constantly looking for um, more. And when, and I hear what you're saying, it doesn't mean that all seekers are like always needing multiple partners. You know, they're all like trying to cheat or have an extra girlfriend or boyfriend or friend or lover. But what, what do you have anything else to say about why monogamy Generally, can be kind of challenging, not generally, but often, sometimes is challenging long term relationships.
2: Well, first of all, I think we're living longer than ever, right? We used to die. You know, we'd be married to someone for like 15 years and then we would be dead, and that was easy. So, (laughs) grandma. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) <laughs> a good run you know you're okay with that but now like you're supposed to live with someone for like 50 60 years like that's a long 70 years for some people that's a long run to stay like monogamous and interested and sexually attracted to someone so this is like we're coming out of like two generations of people that got divorced that cheated that didn't know how to make you know, what was traditionally expected of them to be long term committed to a death, you part relationship. Nobody really did that. That nuclear family thing didn't really work. I mean, it worked for like a decade when women stayed home and men went to work and you could live in the suburbs and you could afford it. And then it stopped working because we couldn't afford to do that. And women were in the workforce. Now, just like in the sexual revolution, women started that. Women had access to birth control. Women had access to divorce. women had access to child support. They're the ones that burned their bras and started having sex and started being open to the sexual opportunities. Now, in the what I call the monogamy revolution, women are the gatekeepers. Women are deciding, wait, look, I'll decide if we're going to be in an open relationship, in hetero relationships. And if it's going to start or stop, or we're going to shut it down, they're usually the ones that make the decision. And because women today don't have to get married. Like, look, there's no precedent for this. Like we used to have to get married to have kids, to have sex, to pass down our, to have our property passed down to us, to just like make our name like legit. We don't need to do that anymore. We don't need to get married to have life insurance or health insurance. There's no purpose for marriage for us. Like, we don't have to. It's not required. And so when it's not required, it's not mandatory. It's all voluntary. And that means we can do it in any way we want. Like, that's like a whole new thing. And so now we're doing it in the way that we want. (laughs) We'll decide how it's going to be. And that's like the first time in history.
0: Thank goodness.
1: Yeah. Well, the thing is marriage in terms of when we look at it, in terms of Bridgerton and what (laughs) I'm watching on season two, uh, it was not sponsored by Bridgerton. (laughs) No, It was a property, what you were speaking to of the land, passing down land and and ownership. And a lot of times people had their side pieces in those days, or they went to uh, sex workers. And a lot of times those could be penis owners, owners that were the Duke of Earl or wherever the fuck they're from. And there is a piece to modern day monogamy in my brain. I think of safety, not financial safety per se, because that's not guaranteed, but sexual safety, because I think, and this is also pure theory, but I would love your opinion on this, uh, Dr. Nelson. What do you think about uh, safety, meaning if there were no STIs in the world and People couldn't transmit diseases sexually. Would monogamy even be a thing?
2: Ooh. Ooh. Well, your point is very smart because it's really a time where we're coming out of the extreme time of AIDS, which is really what shut down the sexual revolution. That's what shut down that whole period in the sixties and going into the seventies was AIDS. And people were like, oh, wow, now we got to shut this shit down because this is going to kill us. Mm. And interestingly enough, you know, this whole monogamy revolution was really started by gay men. So the idea that you could be committed emotionally, but open sexually is not new just because we're saying, "Okay, this is cool and new. It's not new. (laughs) You know, gay men have been doing this for a long time. And The idea that the AIDS epidemic, it's still there, but it's very much under control with medication and preventative meds. And so people do feel more open to expand their monogamy. Now, whether or not that's smart or not on a sexual level, there's still STIs and STDs. There's still potential for danger there. And now we're in a new level of infection because we have COVID. But it is an interesting thing to think about. Like, Is that a direct reflection of a new level of preventative and safety around AIDS? I think you're absolutely on the money with that thought.
0: Well, when you were talking about safety too, I think a lot of people, which can bring us kind of into these new models of monogamy here. We're also curious about the monogamy gap. We're also curious about communication, but it just brings me into the idea of safety. What April's talking about. So a lot of folks, when they're in a monogamous relationship, they think, "Oh, I'm safe." Not even talking about STIs, by the way. Just, "Oh, I'm secure. safe and secure." Yeah, right, secure. Right. Yeah, like they're not going to leave me. We're totally secure here. And you know, you put a ring on, or right we, we, outside of marriage, you would talk about all orientations and genders and all relationship dynamics within monogamy. That but now all of a sudden, all is well, we're all good now until she hits the fan at some point. If it does, it doesn't always do that. So that's another thing too. Like you could take STIs out of the equation, but then people, I don't know, I guess, I don't know exactly what my question is. I would kind of bring it more into this new models of monogamy here. Like what, what does that look like? What are the new ideals or models of monogamy in this 21st century?
2: Well, we have always searched for this balance between commitment and autonomy, right? So that particularly as women become much more independent, we're not as dependent on a partner in a hetero relationship financially. Um, Actually, women make more money than men today, and they tend to be more employed in higher positions than men, except the pandemic kind of screwed that up. We kind of had a she-session, like a recession, where women (laughs) were forced out of the workplace. But in general, women um, don't have to be as dependent in many ways. So but the idea of safety and security is really about a developmental stage of attachment. So in the beginning of a relationship, when you have new relationship energy, there's an attraction because you long for something or someone because there's space in between you to long for it. And so I really long for you because I'm not, I don't have you yet. Right. And we have this idealist culture where, you know, I'm not a whole person until I find my other half and then somehow I'll be complete. And so there's this weird craving to complete ourselves. And, but then when we get it and we feel that attachment, we can relax because now we have found that part of ourselves. And there's some truth to that. I mean, neurologically, there's a relaxation that happens when you can finally like, you know, put on your sweatpants and, your yoga pants or whatever and stop wearing makeup and start eating what you want and
0: (laughs) And
1: there goes the sex. Yeah, Yeah, right? Stop (laughs) trying. I well, I also blame jerry Maguire for the you complete me <laughs> you complete me wait that's jerry Maguire. that's jerry Maguire. when he said that i feel like the, I the thought that was mini me and about <laughs> he modeled it after <laughs> you complete me from jerry Maguire. uh amy the good thing you're, you're pretty that's what she says you're uh, good thing you're pretty. <laughs> well no I, i'm kidding about the jerry Maguire thing although that did fuck with my head when i was little i was like i want someone to complete me oh, yeah. and then you look at all of the the disney movies thank you for mm-hmm. prince charming and it's gonna sweep me off my feet and I'm gonna go in a horse-drawn carriage that's maybe gonna turn into a pumpkin. Uh, so which that's fine because I think the, that idealist dream of someone that will complete you is really it's 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 great. It's definitely something that is awesome. Love is beautiful. So thank you. I've never bought into it. I'm always like, fuck that, nothing lasts forever. So I'm sorry. i there. She's like the
0: opposite side of the spectrum. I am
1: and and I and I sometimes That's to a fault where I feel like I'm, and I'm a very optimistic human and I want to believe that, but I am the byproduct of multiple divorces on both sides. The byproduct of lying, cheating people, you know, which sucks, but I want to redefine what I believe to be a monogamous relationship. And that doesn't include marriage for me again, because I uh, didn't succeed the first time. So, you know, you know how that goes. We talked about it last episode, Dr. Nelson. (laughs) This podcast is free to you because of one of our yummy sponsors, Daily Harvest. Let's face it, life feels busier than ever. And if you're anything like me, the last thing I want to do at the end of a busy workday is cook dinner. And to be totally real, takeout is pretty unhealthy and expensive. This is why I stock my freezer with Daily Harvest. They deliver organic, delectable foods like flatbreads, snacks smoothies even desserts right to your door and they have options for any time of the day you have to try my favorite the spinach and artichoke flatbread or start your morning off right with a mango and papaya smoothie trust me it's so good daily harvest creates foods that taste
0: great is packed full of things that are good for you can help you eat cleaner and they even support a healthier planet so all you have to do is eat and enjoy plus everything is always on Hand in your freezer so it's ready for you when you need it. So listen up, y'all. Avoid the takeout temptation and go get Daily Harvest now. Go to dailyharvest.com shameless sex to get up to $40 off your first box. That's dailyharvest.com slash shameless sex for up to $40 off your first box. Dailyharvest.com shameless sex, that's a whole lot of yum. This podcast is free to you because of another one of our amazing sponsors, BetterHelp. If you are a regular shameless sex listener, then you've heard us say how much we believe most people could benefit from having the support of a therapist to help with your sex and relationship issues. But finding that support is not always easy. And that's why we are huge fans of BetterHelp. BetterHelp is like that little birdie you wish that lived on your shoulder, who you could check in with when life's challenges arise. When you sign up with BetterHelp, BetterHelp, they assess your needs and match you with a licensed therapist to connect within a safe,
1: confidential online environment all under 48 hours. Whether you are just looking for timely responses for support or looking to schedule with someone weekly via video or phone sessions, BetterHelp has you covered with convenience and ease. And they work with people all across the globe. BetterHelp is affordable and for a beloved shameless sex family. You also get 10% off your first month by visiting our sponsor at betterhelp.com shameless sex. Join over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health by going to better help. That's betterhelp.com slash shameless sex. All right, back to the show. So moving on with communication, because I feel with everything like communication and having the proper skills, which always comes back to communication. But when you're talking about this open monogamy piece, you're going to have to be really good at communicating your needs and also being a good listener, which is a big part of communication, everyone, 80, 20, 80, 20. So when it comes to repair, why is communication so important in relationships? And I love this question.
2: Well, First of all, just to go back to the Disney thing for a second, you do know that in every Disney movie, the mother always dies in the first five minutes.
0: Oh, geez. <laughs> <sighs>
2: it's true. Every oh. Disney movie. But we know that Disney has a mother
1: issue. Oh my
0: God. Bambi's mom dies. Oh my God. You're right. <laughs> every Cinderella movie. didn't have a
1: mom, <laughs> she had a stepmother.
0: <gasps> yeah. That's
1: the mother. She was yeah. sleeping. Yeah. Wow. I didn't even realize dead. that. Okay, cool. Yeah. Sorry. shattered all the dreams there's no santa is Is there no spoiler alert for anyone who has never watched a disney movie we're sorry
2: and all the women are like except for the newer disney movies which are a little more woke like the a lot of the women are asleep until a a man comes and wakes them up and the the whole idea of that female sexuality has to be awoken by a man that it's not already existing that we don't already exist until we're in a relationship so the idea of being you know awoken or awake when you're in relationship implies that we are already not sexual. And so communication, I think when you're talking about communicating in a relationship in a sexual relationship is first being aware of your own needs, you know, who am I as a sexual person? What do I need in a relationship? And how can I define monogamy for myself? Like there is a whole continuum of monogamy. So what I first of all mean by open monogamy is being open with each other about what you want and what you need. And that continuum can be, look, I just want to share my fantasies about other people with you. We don't ever have to take anything into action, but let's talk about it. That could be hot. Or I just want to know that if we're looking at porn, that's not cheating. Or I want to know that I can go out with my ex- and go out to lunch and flirt a little, but um, do do we have to tell each other about that every time? Like there's a, a whole continuum there of monogamy all the way over to the far side, which could be polyamory or, you know, relationship anarchy, where there is no structure of who's more primary than anybody else. But there's a wide range of discussion that can happen there. And so one thing I recommend is having a what if conversation. So say you heard this podcast, I heard shameless sex. It was so interesting. And I'm wondering what if we had some kind of open monogamy, what would that be like? Like, what do you imagine? What's the fantasy? Doesn't mean we have to do anything. Let's just have like a, what if potential possible problematic, uh, you know, open conversation about what that might look like.
0: Hmm. Which is a hard first step because people are like, oh no, Pandora's box. And communication is really challenging for a lot of folks. Hence why we have a whole podcast here that is often about communication. I know you have a podcast too, and a lot of offerings are teaching people how to have these difficult conversations. So do we cover The monogamy gap though, I want to make sure that we talked about that because we had that in our notes. i was so curious what that was. And then I I would love to still go into some steps for these um, ways to open up or um, not open up, but make these agreements. But what, what is the monogamy gap? So
2: the monogamy gap is, I think it's common in all relationships that you have a different expectation implicitly or explicitly of what monogamy is going to look like. So you might think, you know, somebody walks in on their partner. You masturbating to pornography and they think, oh my God, you're cheating on me. And the other person thinks, I've been doing this since I was 12. This has nothing to do with you. And that's not breaking our monogamy agreement. So that's an implicit assumption that needs to be explicit, needs to be talked about. And that's a gap between what you think of as monogamy and what I think of as monogamy. And those are the things that can lead to betrayal and discomfort and distress if you don't like you said communicate about and talk about it and all people you know everywhere have these implicit assumptions about what monogamy is supposed to be and if you don't talk about those things you might think oh yeah it just means we don't sleep with other people but what about if you send pictures of yourself on instagram what about if you like someone's uh tiktok video like people get upset about those things we have to talk about them
0: or just, you know, having a conversation with someone out in public and it actually, there's some attraction there. And, and the conversation is only five minutes, but it might feel flirtatious. Do we just cross boundaries? And, you know, whereas other people like flirting, that's just, that's part of monogamy. That's like natural behavior for me and my partner and out in the world, but everyone has different standards.
2: Exactly. And you can cheat. Even if you're in an open relationship, I, I have people that have like six or seven different partners, but if they go out to coffee with somebody else and they don't tell everybody, then everyone feels like they were cheated on. So you have to be really clear on what your monogamy agreement is and be open about
1: it. And those conversations can be difficult, even if you're a skilled communicator, because I know from my own point of view, if someone approached me, I would go immediately, I I would try to work through it, but I'd go immediately to what's wrong with me. Am I not good enough? So the worthiness piece would come up Mm. and I would spiral for a while. And then I'd be like, okay, wait, no. Okay, let's revisit this. So it is important. That's where the listening piece comes in and understanding uh, the integrity part of going to the in the partnership and making sure that everyone's on the same page. So I do like that advice of communication, but I will say that I know how hard it is. And if you're like me, we're together. Okay. So don't worry. (laughs) Nothing's wrong with you. Okay, time for a quick break. This podcast is free to you because of our amazing sponsors like UberLube. UberLube is a luxurious silicone lubricant that can enhance your sex and intimacy. UberLube's unique formula is velvety, long lasting, with no flavor or scent, and it feels absolutely incredible on the body. There are thousands of doctors recommending UberLube to their patients because it's less likely to throw off your pH than most other lubes. So whether you want to make your hot sex even hotter, or you want to prevent dryness? Take our advice and check out our favorite go-to Uberlube. Uberlube isn't just for sex. I use it
0: for massage, to tame my frizzy hair, to prevent chafing, even for oral sex sessions. I love how it comes in a beautiful bottle with a pump top for easy access, appearing more like a cosmetic product, so you can leave it on your nightstand shamelessly. Uberlube is without a doubt my favorite lube, and countless listeners agree. Often stating, "We never knew lube could be this good." To Learn why we think it's the best lube on the planet. Check out UberLube.com and use code ShamelessSex for 10% off and free shipping. Again, that's UberLube.com. Use code ShamelessSex for 10% off and free shipping. This podcast was also made possible by OMGs.com. OMGs combines scientific research of real vulva owners, so you can learn shame-free techniques on how to pleasure the pussy. OMGs studied 20,000 plus people of all ages and turned the research into animated modules, short videos and beautiful infographics that are tasteful and easy to understand. Whether you want to learn about external pleasure, internal stimulation, or techniques with toys, OMGS can help you master vulva pleasure. Let me tell you, I've been recommending OMGS to my clients for years and it's been changing their lives because knowledge really can activate your pleasure power.
1: OMGS is for anyone who cares about vulva pleasure and wants to take it to the next level. OMGS can help you become a sexual strategist by equipping you with the tools you need to unlock your pleasure potential. Plus, your OMGS purchase helps fund more pleasure research. OMG, that's great. Only pay once and these techniques are yours forever. That's right. This is not a subscription service and you don't need to download a thing. So go to omgs.com shameless to get 10% off when you purchase any OMGS season. Again, go to omgs.com shameless to get 10% off right now. Time to pursue your pleasure pleasure. And now back to the show. So Amy mentioned the steps. You mentioned the kind of a, a really good one. Can you share a few more to honor the agreements in the relationship, and and what does this entail? Um, that was a roundabout question, but I think you get me. Yeah, when they're like co-creating. Thank you, of, thank I, you. I, or, I, or I was thinking of like writing, almost like I don't know if you use this. I read this from you.
0: Actually, I remember saying this to the partner years ago. That relationship didn't go well. You know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. But um, <laughs> we were like redoing the agree, or like the contract of our relationship, and that involved not only needs but also relational dynamics, and 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 you know, monogamy was a part of that. So. Um, yeah, I'm just like dovetailing what April said, kind of like the, the relational contract and what that looks like co-creating together.
2: Yeah. You know, in my book, open monogamy, I have like, a, a lot of questions that you can ask each other to create your new monogamy agreement. And then I also have separately from that. I have a handout, which I'll give your listeners. It's like 40 questions to start your new monogamy agreement. And I have to agree with you. It's not easy. I did it with my husband and with my current husband. And we got to like number six and we got in a big argument. I wrote. <laughs>
0: okay. You wrote it. Oh, not, fuck, <laughs> we're doomed. Just kidding. <laughs> and I th-
2: yeah, I think number six was like about jealousy, like how you handle jealousy. And he was like, Oh, you're much more jealous than I am. And I'm like, No, you're much more jealous. Than <laughs> And it turned into like an all night argument. And I'm like, if we can't get past six, how are people, other people going to get past this? So I had to like rewrite some of it. But the reality is, you know, getting through those kind of questions of like, is it okay to flirt with a friend in front of each other? Like, how do we tell each other if that's bothering us or all the way to the end of the spectrum to, you know, if we're going to sleep with other people, what are the boundaries there like i don't believe in rules first of all rules makes it sound like i'm got to be your mother and then i got to follow up to like punish you if you break the rules i'm not i'm not interested in that but i am Interested in my own boundaries, which are for me. I can't impose my boundaries on someone else. I can't tell you what your boundaries are, but I can tell you what my boundaries are. And I can also tell you what my red line boundary is like what I will not cross. Like there's no way we're bringing home a friend to sleep in my bed, or there's no way I'm telling my kids, or whatever your red line is, you can't sleep with someone without a condom. Those things I think are important to share as part of your new monogamy agreement. And maybe you start there and maybe you start with your own boundaries. Like this is what I'm thinking, but remember boundaries are flexible. And you don't project them onto your partner.
0: Yes. Mm. And so are you recommending then, so say people are new-ish to this of, of um, you know, recreating their monogamy. They've just been with each other and they want to open it up to some degree. I'm not talking, we're going to call this some degree of new monogamy. Are you recommending also like baby steps? And, and we may have talked about this the last time we were with you, but um, like kind of tiptoeing, not like, you know what, let's just, just go right into the gangbang. You know, is it like, you know, let's just play with flirting a little bit if they're brand new to this space.
2: Well, I am not going to judge anyone's fantasies. If you want to start with a gangbang, like you do, that's your fantasy, that's fine. <laughs> that's fine. But I would not I would not recommend like bringing up names of people to have a gangbang with like I would April, not say
0: Amy. Yeah, Amy. Yes,
2: friends, um, April and Amy and my neighbor Sue. Like that's my biggest fantasy. Don't start there. If you want to start with, you know, my fantasy is to like have sex with three women. I would I would say that, but on with the understanding of, of there's a difference between your fantasy and what you're curious about and taking things into action doesn't necessarily mean you're gonna do it. But you can start by talking about the things that you're curious about or you have fantasies about um, without bringing up people's names, without getting too specific, and without the expectation that your partner has to do it. Because this is never going to work if you coerce or manipulate your partner. It has to be 100% joyful, consensual. Both people are into it.
1: Hmm. That's where the integrity piece comes in again welcome that integrity <laughs> integrity line so okay. Question about what if, which we touched on a little bit, but what if one partner wants excitement, variety, adventure, and the other one's like, no, I just want missionary and occasional doggy style. And they're a bit more resistant to that. How do folks navigate this? And I know you talked about the monogamy gap, which does play a piece to this, but that can be scary, right? If the, if they're not aligned.
2: Yeah. And I think that there's a desire gap too. Like I might be into it more often than you, or you might be into something kinkier than me. And what I ask couples to do is to talk about, well, what is the underlying desire there? Like if you're into something that's like, I really want to have a kinkier sex. And I I want them to talk about like, what does that mean for you? Like you want to be more in control, more dominant because you want to feel more in charge, or what I hear a lot from women is, you know what? I'm so in charge of everything, of my family, of the house, of my job, my business, the kids. The one place I don't want to be in charge is in bed. So can I just be a pillow princess so you can tie me up? And let's do that.
0: That's good.
2: <laughs> <laughs> right. So that's different than I want to be kinky. I want to do something different. Like if the other person's not really into tying the other person up, that freaks them out. Well, maybe there's other things you could do. To help that person feel submissive and turned on, like it doesn't have to match the fantasy exactly, but maybe you can help that person to have that same feeling.
0: Yeah. And so, and then speaking on the other side, there's the adventurous person who's asking, like, here's what I. And when I say kinky, I mean I want to be tied up in a pillow princess because I'm a doer in the everyday world. But then for the resistant person, I imagine there's a conversation them like, you know, what does the resistance bring up for you? What fears come up? Like April was talking about worthiness there. Even if it's just like I would like to watch more porn with you, and there's resistance. It's like, no, no, no. I personally would be curious about what that no is not. I'm like, I'm going to coerce you against that. No, but what about that does, is a no for you? Is it, does it bring up some old wounding? Some, do you have a bad experience with porn or are you, do you think porn is just really anti-women or I don't know what, maybe if you have something to add to that piece about the resistant partner? Oh,
2: yeah, I think you're right on target there. I think and particularly talking about porn, that's a whole different thing. Like, it might be that you want to look at feminist approved porn, or you don't like the idea of um, watching porn because your kids are home, or you don't want it on your computer, or there could be a lot of reasons that people don't want to engage in pornography, or the only pornography they've seen has been really exploitational in a certain way that really turns them off. Maybe the idea is not that it's not a turn on letting them pick what kind they want or what they want to look at could be, you know, a way to give the other person a feeling of empowerment. You know, the idea is for both people to share their fantasies and what they desire to give them both a feeling of power and control. If someone's resistant, it may not be, you know, I hear this a lot in in open monogamy conversations when someone says, I want to open the relationship and the other person's like, no way I'm doing that. When you actually ask them, what are you resistant to, they have a fantasy that the person saying, oh, I want to open the relationship and I want to have, you know, all these polyamorous partners or I want to go to sex clubs or I want to, you know, go to an island where we just have sex for a week. And the other person's thinking, no, I just wanted to. Look at porn. <laughs> yeah, that's like,
0: simple. I, yeah. It's yeah, simple. Like
2: I'm a simple person. Um, so you really have to get to the bottom of what people are actually imagining because most of the time, again, there's a gap.
0: Well, and I was thinking of April. You were in the room. We were talking about um, Dan Savage's term monogamish. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so just to just to kind of like ask one more question about the because what I'm seeing is this big spectrum. When you're talking about open monogamy, you're including it's just a, I love using this example because it pisses April off. It's just April and I were in a marriage and we just want to have sex with each other. That is part of open monogamy, but it's we're, now we're bringing the authenticity, the integrity and more communication and, you know, kind of like maybe elaborating more on fantasies, desires and things, but it might just be us having sex with each other forever and ever to everything to radical anarchy, polyamory, it's all the things and monogamish, which Dan Savage created to include, um, it's more so like people who are monogamous most of the time, but I'm not going to say this perfectly. Sorry, Dan, if you want to come on our show to clarify, we welcome you. Um, we love you. Uh, but people who are mostly monogamous and then they but they do have these like open experiences or way, tendencies to open in, in certain ways. So just your your open monogamy spectrum includes all of these pieces, correct?
2: Yeah, because I think, you know, what he's really talking about is kind of swinging behavior, but not necessarily even together. So that's even part of the continuum. Like some people are like, don't ask, don't tell. Like, let's just do it separately, autonomously or independent from each other or just when we're on vacation or do what you want on Tuesdays. But don't tell me. Everybody has a different definition. You know, the monogamish thing came from. Uh, Gay men who had an emotional monogamy, but sexually were much more fluid. And so the monogamy thing was like, yeah, we monogamous kind of open monogamy is more you know, really encompasses that as well as, like you said, people who are just having sex with each other, but maybe walking through a sex party and just looking at other people, but they never touch another person. There's many iterations of this, but the idea is it's not so rigid and traditional that, that you can assume that just because somebody says, oh yeah, we're married or in a committed partnership, that that means that they are defined by the old rules of, like I said, your grandmother's monogamy, where it may not have been monogamous. Keep in mind that cheating is a form of non-monogamy. It's just not open. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So this includes everything on that spectrum in a way that's flexible, fluid, and transparent. So it negates the need to have an affair or to lie and be dishonest.
1: So there's a lot of moving parts to this, which is why I think your book would be a smart investment for people out there in whether you're in. And, and as we said in the beginning, no matter uh, your gender, no matter your orientation, this can apply to you. Uh, and It will eventually apply to you at some point, I'm sure. So how can people find you? How can they buy this book? And if they want to work with you, how can all that, how can all that happen?
2: Well, you can go to openmonogamy.com to find the book or my website, drtammynelson.com or anywhere books are sold, anywhere you buy books. And I'm happy to send your listeners a free ebook. I can send them that 40 questions for your new monogamy, which I did change question six. So I think they'll be. <laughs>
0: <laughs> They're like, please change to question six. Yeah, we, we could put that in the show notes if that's an easy thing, like a link that they can click on. Sure. I'm happy. Cool. Awesome. And Mine's do you
1: have six. any social handles? Oh, I have
2: a new TikTok channel, which I don't know what it is, but I'll send it to you for your show notes.
1: <laughs> okay. Cool. And it's I have so hip.
2: I have. I know. I'm trying. I'm never going to be a dancing, rapping TikTok therapist, though. I'm just warning you. But I do have five tips on how to open your monogamy. I just put five videos up. And I have an Instagram, which is uh, Dr, Doctor D O C T O R underline Nelson. And I have a Twitter, and I have Facebook, and I'll send you all those links.
0: Okay. Are you part of the metaverse? Is that what's called?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, April just taught me about that. I know. I'm I'm keeping Amy hip over here. All right. Well, you're always incredible. Every show that you've been on, I learn something. I take away new information, and we just love you and your podcast as well. Uh, Can you tell folks about that one?
2: Yes. Please go to the trouble with sex which is my podcast. And I would love, love, love to have you guys on as guests, because I think you guys are incredible. You are pioneers in this field and you are breaking through all kinds of boundaries and starting new conversations about sex. You're really doing everybody a favor.
1: Thanks. Yeah, we love that. It's
0: our favorite conversation. We'll totally come on your show.
1: Hell yeah. Well, go check out that podcast as well. I know I'm going to, and, and listen, because Amy and I will be on it soon. Well, Dr. Nelson, we love you. As I said before, we also love you, the person that's listening right now to Amy and I and Dr. Tammy's voices. So thank you for being part of the shameless sex revolution. Just do me a little flavor, favor, as they say, some places go to iTunes, rate us, give us five stars. We read every single review and all this does is help people find our work and Dr. Tammy Nelson's work and it helps them improve their sex lives, their humanity, their pleasure, all of it. So go do that. Check it out. Take a minute. You can just do some emojis. We don't mind. All right, y'all, you know how it goes. We'll see you next Tuesday for another episode of shameless sex. Ciao for now.
0: Want to learn more? Go to shamelesssex.com and for 15% off of some of our favorite sex toys, use coupon code shamelesssex at purepleasureshop.com.